Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. It's so nice to see you from this perspective. Uh, If this is your first time here at Glory Church, uh, we have done a major change in the the past week. Typically, this stage is shoved into that side, and I know that you maybe are like, okay, that's not that big of a deal, but those of you who were here before and you're walking in, every single one of you, I saw your faces. You were like, whoa, whoa, and so I'm very excited to have you guys. You know, change is always good. I want to keep you on your toes, uh, especially one of the, the worst things we can ever do as a church is, is be afraid of change um, because every new season is going to demand new things, um, and, and we talk about that often, but this morning I'm really excited. Uh, for those of you who are new, my name is Greg McKinney. My wife and I are the lead pastors here at, at Glory Church. Uh, we, I always say we treat this like a family. We have four kids, uh, twin eight-year-olds. We have a five-year-old, and we have a three-year-old, and they're crazy. All right, my kids are crazy, but we, uh, my wife has gifts that I do not have when it comes to, uh, and not just because she's a mother, but God has, has uniquely designed Kate for these kids and has uniquely designed me to, to dad as well. And so as we looked forward and felt called to church plant, we said, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to lead together because Kate has been uniquely uh, made for this purpose, for the women in this room, for the, for the children that are to come, the, the, the callings that are in this place, and then me as well. Like, uh, so we lead together. So if that's different, uh, I'd love to talk with you guys about it. Uh, but uh, that's how we structure this church, and I'm really excited for today. Normally, you would come in and we would be in a series, a sermon series. Uh, that's typically how we structure every, every Sunday morning. I like, to, I like to have a direction. All right, so I start a series and then we end it. All right, and what we just ended last week was a sermon series over the fruit of the Spirit. If you were with us, I encourage you like, uh, to, to share that series. It was one where we really looked at like, not just what are these things that are good, you know, the fruit of love. But really, like, how are they spiritually life-changing? Because I don't know about you, but when joy enters a room, things are shaped and changed. And so that's what we talked through, and we ended it last week. And this morning and next Sunday are, are a little bit different. Uh, we do this periodically where we're ha- we have celebration and vision Sundays. All right, where we celebrate, we do a, a little pulse check on our church, uh, see how, how, how good we're breathing, uh, how, how alive we are, how, how attentive we are to things, see if, if there's, there's things that need to be checked and, and grown and shaped. And uh, so this week, you got me on stage. Next week, though, we have a panel where you're going to hear from, from uh, your family members, Glory Church family members, about what is good, what, what is stretching, what, uh, what they see God is doing in the, in the coming uh, season. And so I'm excited for that. But this morning, uh, I wanted to just start it off because I do believe God has a word for us this morning. Um, if you know anything about Glory Church, 
our vision is that we, we see a city changed by, by homes that are changed. Um, when you're in an urban core, when you're in an area that uh, people are vastly different, every house is literally different. Uh, I, live in, I live east of Troost, and if you go west of Troost, uh, the same house could be worth so much more money. We get this. Like every home, it literally, not just the money makeup, but the people inside are vastly different in our city. And so we have always seen Sunday morning is not going to change a city. It is the, the life change of the day in and day out where they, people experience God in their secret places, home. But where, I don't know about you, but I am sometimes not very kind at home, but I could be kind on a Sunday. I don't know about you, but sometimes I can be patient on a Sunday, but not really patient at home. But as that is shaped, it is transforming and it shapes everything outside of that house. Uh, I become the man that God has called me to be. And so this is what we have sort of cast the vision to our people. And those of you who are watching online who are, who are traveling this morning, like, it, it's great to have you guys. Like, we got a lot of family members who are still online with us. And so it's a great tool. So I wanted to say hello to those who are watching. There's a video camera back there. That's why I'm looking. But this morning, um, I believe God is always calling us into a new perspective. Um, and... You know, if you've been with us at Glory Church, uh, the Loretto, this building we're in right now, is not our end goal. Um, there, there's, a, there's a direction that I, that I know God has called us to as a church. Um, and so we're going to share a little bit of that this morning, but, but I'm going to go a little bit more as well. Because I said this earlier, that new things demand uh, new things. <laughs> When you are in a new season in your life, you, you better believe that, that it's going to change. and It's going to need a new perspective. Um, when winter comes and falls on the city, you better believe that your home is going to change the temperature, right? And you need to command and control the temperature a little differently than the, 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 the heat, right? It changes. New things demand new things of us. And this morning, I believe that God is calling us uh, into something new. So I wrote... Uh, to start at January 1st of this year. I don't know if you've been with us, but I cast a vision in January 1st, the first Sunday of January in 2021. We, we survived the pandemic, right, as a church. We launched, quick story of Glory Church, seven weeks before the city shutdown happened. And so we were seven weeks old. Have you ever seen a seven-week-old baby? Um, that's what we looked like. And uh, we were seven weeks old, and the, the city shut down. And so we had to learn how to have church online, how to, how to transition. We reopened uh, again in August of last year at the Linwood YMCA, and I was so excited to start into 2021. And so that morning, I cast a vision, and I felt the Lord was calling us as a church in 2021 to learn how to worship in spirit and in truth. That's what, do you all remember that sermon? Uh, please just shake, even if you don't. It just makes me feel better about myself. Uh, sometimes I'm like, are your people listening, God? But I taught over the woman at the well. I taught over the woman at the well and how he, Jesus dramatically shaped her perspective of everything by that one phrase, I have come so that people, true worshipers, will worship in spirit and in truth. And I said, as a church, like, I believe God is calling us to be a place that where we learn how to really worship in spirit and truth. And what I didn't realize was how much God would press on that. 
uh, because what happened, if you know the story of Glory Church this past year, I told you worship in spirit. Those of you who love to take notes and you missed it, this is, this is what it means to worship in spirit. It means that there's no holy segmented spaces in your life. This woman at the well, she was like, well, your people, the Jews, tell us that we have to worship in the temple. The Samaritans, we worship on the mountain. And Jesus is saying, but I'm calling you to worship in spirit. Meaning there's not holy spaces and unholy spaces. God is in all and through all. And so wherever you are, and I challenge you to not, to, to, to start laying down those segmented spaces in your life. If you remember, we, we talked about having a home life, that some of you are very different than your work life. And then uh, that's very different than your church life. And your church life is vastly different than your thought life. And your thought life is very different than your friend life. And your friend life is very different than your parent life, right? All different. And what happens as we segment these life, these lives, what happens is we begin to then segregate the work of God in our whole life. Meaning this, and I told you this, if we're going to truly worship in spirit and in truth, then my thought life needs to have just as much belief of God's grace and his power as my church life does. And so some of you, you think uh, the most peace I ever feel is when I'm just worshiping God on a Sunday. Can I just tell you that is a segmented space and you need healing. And so we, we challenge you guys. As we get into this, God is not designated to a Sunday morning. He, his peace, his power, his, his self-control, it is found at, at the work life and the thought life. And so we started tearing down those walls, if you remember. And very quickly, after we celebrated one-year-old, have you ever seen a one-year-old, right? Like, they, many don't know how to walk still. Um, that, you know, that's us. That was us. The week after we celebrated one-year-old, I got a phone call from the Linwood YMCA on a Tuesday. And they were like, hey, has anyone let you know? And I was like, let me know what? They're like, well, this city, the mayor just said that we got approved as being a vaccine clinic. I was like, okay, well, what does that mean? Well, we're going to be a vaccine clinic every Thursday through Sunday, and so we're not going to be able to have anyone in the building on Sundays. And I was like, okay, well, what does that mean? Well, it actually starts this Thursday. It was like a Tuesday. And so, like, we had to realize segmented spaces are not the way to worship. God is in all and through all. And so we, we dramatically went back online for six weeks. And we learned, like, God's holiness and his goodness is found in the small groups that are now worshiping in their homes as they invite people into a different place than ever before. Church is looking a little different again. And we saw, like, life change happened. We had Easter, if you remember, at a park. We, we set up a tent, had a little revival, because God isn't designated to one place. His presence is found in all. And in fact, I, I wrote some things down. In the past year and a half of being a church, we have got to experience 16 salvations, 16 baptisms. We've got to experience generosity like never before. We've got to experience uh, so many healings of, of addictions, marriages. We've got to experience uh, people realizing that they can, by God's power, have control with their finances. And so it's been beautiful to see. 
But our, the spirit part has been interesting. I wrote this down that many of you have realized that there's no segmented spaces in your life. And so you're actively saying God is not limited. I've seen it. Some of you are like, I, for the first time, I can hand over the things that I've never, never handed over. For the first time, I can trust with God's people the things that I've never trusted before because there's not segmented spaces. I can trust with this place who I am. And I've seen God do powerful things as we've worshiped in spirit. So we've worshiped in spirit. But if you remember, there's another part, right? We're also called, and I called you, challenged you to worship in truth. And this idea of truth is sort of where we're going to lead off of this morning. I said this past week, really asking God, okay, where are we at as a church? Where are we at? Like, uh, what's the temperature of our people? What is the need of the city? How can we be a part of it? What do your people need to hear? And it started here with this word truth and literally tracked down to the rest of the story of the Good Samaritan, or not the Good Samaritan, the rest of the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. If you follow that story along, what Jesus is about to ch challenge and command his people, his disciples, is the word that I have for you. But first, I think we need to realize and remind ourselves of what it looks like to worship in truth. I, I really felt that God said, your people, are, my people, need to worship in truth in this next season. What this looks like, I've got two parts. If you want to take notes, you can. We don't have slides. This is all out of the cuff. Like, I, I wanted to be raw this morning with you guys. To worship in truth means that you are, you're cognitively, you're choosing to only respond to what is really happening. To worship God in truth means I'm not going to respond to what ifs, which how many in our world, how many people in our world are responding to what ifs? How many people in our world are responding to fears that haven't even happened or to, to things that haven't even occurred? And so they're responding to what ifs. No, as, as, a, as a worshiper in truth, I will respond to reality, to what's really happening. And before we even get into this, like I just felt like my people need to know to respond to reality right now. Not what they're afraid is going to happen. Not what they're planning to happen. But what is happening now? which means I need to know what reality is. When, when he said worship in truth, there was two parts, not just this ability to respond to reality, but it goes a little bit further because if you're gonna worship in truth, and this is, the, this is what God has been teaching me so much lately, to worship God is to not just know the truth, but to, it's, it's to see the truth of reality in his hands. So that's the second part. It's literally saying I, there's an eternal point to this because in God's hands it changes. So let me explain it this way. I was talking to someone and we've, goodness, we've had a, a summer. If you know anything, we, um, we have been able to, to be a part of some life change for people um, out, of, out of dark pasts, um, out of pasts uh, where, where literal history of, of Satanism. We've had multiple people in our church this past summer be a part of the church who, who came out of a family of Satanism. And it's been, so I'm a Baptist boy, all right? I grew up Baptist. No one taught me that kind of stuff. Like, I've never experienced this kind of, so we, we, I'm living and in, in, in leading in this place, and I've started to learn a few things that I've already know, I've always known, but now in practice, like, it's powerful. Truth is two parts. 
it is true that mankind has fallen, right? It is true that on our own we can do nothing. It is true that we are from the dust. It is true that there's nothing that I can do to ever fix myself. But that's only part of the truth. Because as worshipers of truth, we respond to what is reality. Reality is fallen people will act fallen. But there's a second part. But now we have to put that truth in God's hands. Because he handled the fact that I was fallen. And in his hands, and this is what I've constantly, like it is true that you have a past in this. But now we put that truth in the hand of the Lord and see what he can do with it. That is how you worship in truth. Does that make sense? It's this constant reality like the truth is our world is in a hot mess right now. So I can respond to that like the rest of the world is, or I can take that hot mess and believe that it's in our Lord's hands. Because then there's an eternal reality happening that overcomes past. And so Jesus models this to the woman at the well. Do you remember? He's like, hey, I want you to go home and to bring your husband to me so that I can tell him about this living water. And she's like, well, sir, I don't have a husband. Well, that's, that's right. You've actually had multiple husbands, and the man you're living with right now isn't your husband. Talk about harsh truth. But that's only part of it. Truth is historical reality. Reality right now is the woman wasn't living with her husband and had had multiple husbands. There's reality. But then he takes it further because he's now about to show her what he can do with that truth. You can have living water, a well of life gushing from you. You have a purpose, a calling despite that. Well, I'm not welcome to my city, right? Like I'm a woman who's been, who's been called many names. But in the hand of the Lord, the truth of our fallenness is rewritten. He overcomes past. And so I... I really just wrote this, truth, it may take first into the account that the facts are really happening. But it also actively says, God's, in God's hands, the past can't hurt it. The past is rewritten. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And this glory is where I want to transition you. There's many of you who sat in this place. And so I got a word for you because the disciples came back and Jesus was alone. You remember that whole time he was sitting at the well while the, the disciples were in Samaria. They come back after this whole discourse with the woman at the well. Like she runs to tell the people that her life has been changed. She's excited. The disciples come back. And what he's about to say to them is the word that I have for you. But there's some of you who need to understand truth and what it can do for you. So I just want, before you even get to what the disciples, because I have a word for the disciples in the room. But there's many of you who've come to church many times. Maybe it's not Glory Church, but it is many churches. And, and your understanding of spirit and truth is, is dramatically hurt by your past. And you are not in belief that God is and will always drastically chase down the lost. Spirit and truth 
There's no segmented space. God is here. Truth, you are messed up. (laughs) And some of you, you come to Glory Church often and you think that what you get on a Sunday will change you, but you go back home and you don't feel the change. And it's because you're not a disciple yet. And so right now, I'm about to talk to the disciples in a minute, but truth. We got to realize what God has done with it. He overcomes your past. He has the ability to cleanse you and give you a hope. This woman who had multiple husbands is not living with her husband right now. He saw her, wanted her, and changed her. Like, I I just want to pause There are some of you that God sees you, he wants you, and he wants to change you. He sees you, he wants you, and he wants to change you. So I'm just going to pause. I I wasn't planning this. I told the the team we huddled this morning, I was like, I thought maybe I would share, literally give an opportunity for people to respond to God in the middle of the message, but I don't know. That might just seem choppy, and they're like, do it. And so I just want to pause and just give you an opportunity to be. If everyone in the room just wants to just like pause and and, and close your eyes. There's a moment in scripture where this woman, she's sort of combative to Jesus. She's like, I have been told all the things to do and I've tried to do it, but I can't do it. And, And what makes you have all the answers? And there's some of you who've been like that to God. I've tried to do all the things. I've tried to submit. I've tried to give my life. I've tried these things, but nothing has changed. It's because you're still pointing to God as if he owes you something. But the Lord is spirit. And you thought you've given God your life, but you gave him your Sundays. And Jesus says, I want it all. Some of you have felt dry. You may feel full on a Sunday, but you walk away dry. It's because you're feeding off of the joy of all the people in the room, not the joy of the Lord in you. And so it's really easy. Scripture just says, you call on the name of the Lord. And you will be saved. Scripture says, all you have to do is admit, like, I I am nothing. But God, for the first time, I'm not going to try to take that nothingness and make something of it myself. I'm going to say, I am nothing. And I want to hand that truth to you. Some of you in this place right now can do that. Jesus, I want change. I want you. I want your presence. I need your help. Will you meet me in my thought life? Will you meet me in my home life? Will you show me how to live in my work life? Will you change my whole life? It's that simple. 
there are a few of you in this place that for the longest time, your past has been the very reason why you haven't stepped forward. But truth is that there's an eternal reality that overcomes your past. So it's this simple, Jesus, I want you. Will you cleanse me? I want to follow you. I want to give you my whole life. I want to trust you. Will you change me? You are my God. You are my God. And glory family, if you actively prayed that for the first time and meant it, I got some exciting news for you. Scripture says that all of heaven erupts in praise when the lost come home. And so that was you, like, I encourage you to write it down on that Connect card. Let it, let it be known. Come up to someone this morning. Tell them what happened. But we're not done this morning because I have a word for the disciples. So they came back home. They came back home. They came back, well, you know, to Jesus, home. And they find him at a well the same well they left him, and they have this whole question and conversation, and then he turns to them and says something so blunt. And this is the message that I believe God has for us in this season. Disciples in the room, glory, family. He says this uh, right after. He says, do you not say that in four months there will be the harvest? But I tell you right now, Look around you and see that the fields are ripe for harvesting. See, what was happening very in a real way is uh, history. I mean, it makes sense. The harvest only comes when the harvest comes. And four months, God, in four months after I get better, after my life changes the way that I want it, after I learn what I think I need to learn, in four months, I'll put a timer on when I can step into the harvest and actually make a difference. No, 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 no. Some of you have set in to Glory Church and thinking that this place is for you. If you're part of the 99, then this place is for the one. And you're not it. Is it like, uh, <laughs> your job is to harvest. The disciples in the room, they come back and they're like, what? I tell you, look around you and see that the harvest is ripe. I was always right, taking notes. I just felt God said, I need my people to look around them. I need them to look around them. For far too long, they've looked at themselves. They've looked at their wants. They've looked at their bellies. They've looked at their desires. They've looked at their, uh, their house and how they can make it better. They, I need them to look around them. Because there's a harvest that is ripe. If they would realize that they have a calling to do so. See, a church that's not harvesting is a dying church. A church that's not harvesting is a dying church. And in a very similar way, Jesus says something very, very blunt. Again, 
to the same disciples. It's like they didn't get it. To the same disciples in Luke 10. This is now months, maybe even a year. I don't know the timeline. Uh, it's all together. But Luke, uh, months could be a year later in their ministry. He says this in Luke 10 to them. He says, the Lord has a, he appointed them. And Jesus tells them to go out. But Luke 10 writes, the Lord appointed, Jesus appointed 70 of his disciples. Now they've grown from the 12 to 70. And he sent them out ahead of him to, in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. Verse 2 says, he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the, la- the laborers, the workers, are few. So therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Look around and see you. I had a conversation with our staff this week uh, and really asked, like, okay, staff, you guys, you guys are in this. So what do you think our church needs? And hands down, all of them said, we need to care for the lost. We need to realize our gifts and use them. We need to step up as a church and realize that it's not about us. We need to care for the lost. In a conversation with someone at our church, uh, um, they, they said this, okay, not me. They said, I feel, and this is almost word for word, like God is going to wake us up to the need to bring people here. That he's done a work in me and I am selfish to keep it there. I, I didn't say that. They did. Okay. God is going to wake us up to realize that we need to bring people here. Because he's done a work in me. And it would be selfish to not share. Like that, That's a nice and rhymy. Look at them. They're a poet. Another person, and again, I didn't say this. Another person said, but if we're going to bring people in, we're going to have to show up ourselves more than once a month. I was like, ooh, do you want to say that? And they're like, give me the mic. (laughs) But if we're going to bring people in, if we're going to actively care for the lost, then we ourselves have to be more present than once a month people. Right? Like, it's just, this is is ongoing. If we are going to grow as a church, and not, not talking numerically, I'm talking the kingdom of God grow, then the church has to show up. Not just on Sundays, but show up in the homes when your small group leaders are saying, hey, once again, I'm opening up my home. I'm preparing a meal for you, and you guys haven't been here. Like, I, it's a lot of work to get my house ready. I'm inviting people in, but I, I don't know what you know, and your gifts are needed for them. And so it's just, we, we got to show up. Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers, the workers are few. And, and I just went to like, I've been watching The Chosen. <laughs> and I'm a lover of The Chosen. Uh, it's so good. It's a TV show. You should watch it. But it's showcasing just how sassy Jesus was. And I don't think we realized how blunt he was. But he really caused some problems to the Pharisees. I've read this so many times, but I, not, I did not realize how blunt this statement is. In the first century Jerusalem, can I just be honest? First century Jerusalem had the most Pharisee leaders than any other time in, in Scripture. This is before Christianity is happening. Like, it is set up. The, the synagogues were full of workers. But Jesus is saying right now that the laborers were few. Does Jesus realize, like, there are so many good Pharisees in the training. 
There's so many filling the streets. Yet he's boldly saying they're not the laborers. They're not doing it. Why? Because they're doing their own agenda. They're pursuing their own things. There's this, this end that is hurting people but helping themselves. And I would tell you, like, our world has a lot of agendas. And as people of God, we got to constantly realize that the laborers, us, cannot speak an agenda that is opposite of the Lord of the harvest. And it, that's like, I just felt like God was like, my people need to be workers. They need to be workers. But they need to guard their work. Because Jewish leaders were working, but they were working with the, the agenda that best fit the Jewish leader, not the kingdom of God. And so like it's here at Glory, I'll be honest, the next few months in our world are going to be crazy, just as the last few have been. People will spit out agendas. People will spit out opinions. People are going to make claims and want you to put aside, pick aside. Here at Glory Church, there is no agenda other than God's glory. And so if something else is separating and taking eyes off of the Lord and onto man, then that's not what our church is going to do. If there are conversations that are going to cause dissension instead of worship, then we're not going to do it. And now there is good, there's good tension when it comes to making God's name great. But if there's tension to make my name great, we're not going to do it. Because the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The world is full of answering opinions, answering thoughts, answering questions in the mind and the intellect. But we're the only people who can answer the question of the soul. We're the only ones. And so, Glory Church, the harvest is plentiful all around you. There are people hungry and hurting, but the workers are few. And so I will, I will end with this reality uh, scripture says this humbling passage in Matthew 7, like, not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord, will enter in the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father. In fact, on, the, on that day, the end day, many of you will say, Lord, Lord, like, didn't we, like, cast out demons? Didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we do great things? And I will tell you plainly, I didn't know you. You did things, but they were evil things. And the reason is because you didn't do the will of the Father, And so in this next season, I believe God is going to call us to move from callers of the name of the Lord to also being doers of the will of the Lord. Callers of the name of the Lord to doers of the will of the Lord. That means, hey, God, I'm not going to just call on you. I'm going to make sure that what I'm doing, like, God, is this for your glory? Is this conversation, is this opinion that I have, is it going to result in your glory? Is this... um, is this post that I'm going to make <laughs> going to result in your glory? Do I call on your name on Sundays and in need, but I don't go to you with my goods? I don't give you my, my blessings. It's interesting. We got to become from callers to doers. And I'll tell you because the harvest is plentiful. You can go ahead and start playing. I, uh, the Lord just told me this week, and this might be, I don't, I, he told me this week to make sure that you knew that the harvest is gonna be there whether you step out and do anything about it or not. But what I do want you to know 
is, is Jesus says that he's sending us out like lambs among wolves. And the wolves are not people. Wolves are, are, are the enemy and his demons. There's a, bigger, there's a bigger thing, a war at play. And if you don't harvest, can I just tell you, wolves harvest too. Wolves try to harvest too. What I mean by that is they gather. That's what it means to harvest. You, you gather the fruit. The enemy is trying to gather the attention. And fear, the world is all about it. Any, if I'm doing something that's gathering the attention and pointing it to fear or pointing it to confusion or to point it to disunity, then I'm, I'm being like a wolf trying to harvest. But this is cool. You're like a lamb. I just want to end, like leave this with you. I, this, is a, this is a fact. You can Google this, all right? There's an instinctual, this beautiful instinct found in every sheep, every lamb, that they have this ability to gather. The mature sheep, they can gather the immature and lead them to the shepherd. It's a, it's a common thing. If an immature sheep is on their own, the, it's an instinct in the mature sheep to go to them and to gather, to lead them back to the shepherd. It's really cool. The sheep are one of the most beautiful flocking animals in the world. So you want to talk about what you do. Do you gather people? Do you gather people? Do you gather people? I want to be a church that gathers people. Not gathers with people, but truly gathers them to make sure their attention isn't on fear, their attention is on worry, their attention isn't on uh, disunity or causing issues. No, I'm gonna gather you to the source of truth. I'm gonna gather you and bring you home. I'm gonna gather you and show you with all honesty who, who is the real Lord. Because without it, our church is going to die. Yeah, it's not my job to harvest, it's ours. It's not Gabby's job to worship. It's ours. It's the church's job. So I just want to pray. God, I pray that we can see that we cast this desire so long for revival in our city, revival in our homes. But when we say, Lord, send revival, you're saying, I'm trying to send out the the workers into the fields. We should be saying, Lord, send the harvesters or the, the laborers to the harvest. Because revival comes when souls are saved. And the lost that are on our neighborhoods, the lost that are at our jobs, the lost that are in our homes, there won't be revival unless they hear truth. It's the whole, it's the whole Romans thing. They will come to know Jesus when they hear the word, but you can't hear the word without someone speaking it. You can't, someone's not gonna speak it unless they are sent. So God, send out workers. May we be them. That you may be glorified in it all. In your name, Jesus. Pray that we can gather people to, the, to be attentive to you Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. 
For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.